And just to walk out to the experience, I, um, we're still in Ephesians, you know, the, the series. But uh, I'll just I'll walk you through this real quick. Um, because it was so transformational. Uh, now, that's what we've been talking about in Ephesians. It's, it's this new life. Where, you know, we're not talking about just, you know, once you didn't go to church and now you do. So you kind of believe this this book, and you believe what it says. No, it was, it was more like I came into church because I didn't grow up in church, and it was this new thing. And I was like, and it claimed to solve my problems. It, it claimed to fill my heart. It claimed to love me more than I love myself. It claimed to have died for me and paid the penalty for the sins that I've committed that I couldn't pay for myself. And I was like, man, this is this life transformation going on here. And so I'm at the beach, and this is what I looked at. This is what did it for me. Sorry, I had to look too. Everybody was like, now I'm really distracted. You know, see, the problem was I, drank, I didn't drink a Red Bull today. I drank a juice box. Now I'm hyper. I, don't, I have this thing called AD, not ADD, but AD. And, um, you know, attention deficit. I don't have the disorder part. That's not, that's not in me. The disorder's not in me. But uh, the juice box makes me hyper. I don't know. That's weird, ain't it? But anyways, so I'm down there. And uh, I looked at the ocean. Stay with me. I know I'm everywhere, all over the place. The lights turned off. I didn't do it. But I'm looking at the ocean, all right? And I can see this, like, uh, this little, this is about this big. But the ship itself was probably, like, 100 feet long. You know, it was that far out in the ocean, you know, close to the waterfall at the end. And um, did y'all? Okay, I didn't, I didn't know if y'all got it. So close to the waterfall at the end, but it was dark, so like I could see this little speck of light, and I, like, that's all I could see from the left to the right and forward. It was, it was all ocean, and it was just like, man, it's huge, you know, and, and I'm just struggling with life problems, you know, back home, there. I mean, I was just struggling. With every, everything was just like, I felt like the world was like crashing down around me, even though it probably wasn't. I don't even remember. It just felt like it, but um, I just remember thinking the ocean was so big. And what little I did get from the sermons, I say little, I just don't remember now, but the, what I did remember, though, was that I, I remember that God was so big that he could fit the oceans in the palms of his hands. It just came up in my mind at that moment. I'm thinking, if the oceans are that big and he's that much bigger and he's speaking to me right now, like, I think he's bigger than everything that's going on in my heart right now, and I, I think I should listen to him. And I started to listen to him, and like Kenny said, I was just crying. I, just, I couldn't quit crying because I was just like, God, I really need you. You know, like, I, I really need you. And then when I felt him speak to me, I was like, I don't, I don't ever want you to not be with me ever again. I just, I want you forever. And so uh, that was my way of saying, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. You know, all that stuff. That was my way of saying, God, I just want you. And um, it did. It happened. And, um, and that was almost eight years ago. June 2nd would be, would be eight years. So uh, we're going to be in Ephesians 5 tonight. And we're going to move on from Ephesians 4. Um, and I'll be honest, I struggle with this, uh, with this passage because I've been... Uh, I've been really struggling with engaging culture. Um, for the longest time in my Christian walk, I, I 
you know, stop cussing, right? You know, like, and I didn't go to parties, and I didn't do this or I didn't do that. Well, my life was kind of defined by what I didn't do, not by what I did. And so, like, I judged people by what they did do, you know, like, because it's what I didn't do. So, like, if they weren't like me, that's when I judged them. It was like, hey, are you claiming to be a Christian? Well, why do you listen to that music? Hmm? You know, you ever met people who are, like, oversaved? You know what I'm talking about? Like, they're just, like, they, they're, like, they're way too much. You know, they don't, you know, I heard this. I'll be honest, this is not my jokes. I heard this on the comedy things I was listening to. It was like, you know, you know you're oversaved when you rebuke vacuum cleaners because it says dirt devil on it. Yeah. Or you don't mess with computers because you have to use a cursor. You know, some of you kids don't know what that is. You're too young. Back in my day, no, I'm just kidding. I'm only like a couple years older than you. But those people who are too saved, like they're oversaved, like they, they, they're just like, they're way overboard with it. You know, it's like, man, did I leave my key somewhere? Well, you need the keys to the kingdom. That's what you need. You need to get saved right now. Or like, you know, they got the, they got the gospel gun and they're ready for it. They're ready. Like, you know, you ever heard people say, like, man, you just got to put the gospel in the conversation. Like, you just got to put it in there somehow. Like, you could be talking about, you know, tiddlywinks and jelly beans, but you just got to put the gospel in there. Like, you got to find some way to share the gospel with them. And so, like, you just got the gospel gun right here. You ready? And it's like, they say something, you're like, pow, you're just ready to shoot. you trigger happy. You're just like, when can, I, when can I say it? Can I say it now? And you're not even listening to what they're saying because you're just trying to figure out how I'm going to get the gospel up in this thing because they need to hear it right now. Like, I don't even care what you're saying. So that's what I've been struggling with, right? Because I'm just like, how do I engage culture? Like, because I don't know if we, we've, we've talked about this a lot, but like, you know, it's not, it's not people's responsibility to come in here. Like, that's not, that's not their responsibility. Like, they, they can't just see us in a building and it, it just think, you know, some people do. Some people are like, I need help. Where do I go? And God leads them somewhere where they can get help, you know, like, I need the gospel, they just somehow, they, they find their way here, but that's not, like, that's the exception, not the rule, see, it was our responsibility, it has always been for us to go out there and go reach them, so what do you do with that? You don't go out there, see, like, I, I've heard this a lot, that, you know, just, like, a lot of, a lot of Christians are weird, I mean, let's, let's just admit it, like, we're, we're weird, like, especially if we're just, like, we just put ourselves in a little bubble, and, like, we never leave our rooms because we're trying to avoid sin at all costs, or, or you know, or, or, you know, there's the other side of it where, like, you're a Christian, but, you know, you're, you're a part of the world. You know, it's like there's no in-between. There's either, like, a super weird, like, you know, holy roller, Bible thumper kind of person who just, like, has no idea how to carry on a conversation with a normal person outside of the church, you know. And we, we can make Christian jokes with each other, have Christian cuss words, and we're all, you know, we're good. We're in a safe bubble is what we are. We're, we're, in a, we're in this bubble that we've created for ourselves, and we're trying to move away from everything that might corrupt us. You know, like, we don't want to be next to, you know, bad parts of the city, or we don't want to be next to, you know, certain people and certain people groups because we don't, we don't want their, you know, sin cooties to get all over us. We're like, no, no, I'm staying clean, bro. Like, I'm not getting next to you. And then you got some people who are just like, yeah, I'm a Christian. What's up? I didn't know. You got me, bro? You got my weed this week? I got you. I'm going to pay you. Don't worry about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't get freaked out. I don't smoke weed. This is what I'm saying, though. Like, this is, this is what I'm, I'm trying to get across to the reality here. Like, this is reality. I'm serious. This really is. This is true. And so, like, where, where, do, you find, where do you find balance with that? Like, how do I 
as a Christian, as a Christ follower, someone who is holy, someone who is unique, someone who is different and transformed, I have a new life. I, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ, not a follower of this world. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. How do I go to these people, which is my responsibility as a Christian? How do I go to them and say, hey, I don't have advice for you to live a better life, to live a more moral life, but I have good news for you. I have good news for you because everybody outside of here, everybody inside of here, of here are all in need of hope. We're all in need of hope because we're all called to one glorious hope. Do you remember that? One glorious hope is that we have something after this life. The fact that this life is not it, that is our hope that, that all the struggle, all the trials, all the pain, all the stuff here is not it. We have a hope that we can put our trust in that and so that when we die, we get to spend eternity with Jesus. We get to spend eternity with God, and that's what we call heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but not everybody goes to heaven, right? And so we have that hope as Christ followers. That hope doesn't get to others if we form our own little bubble. You know, we don't need other people coming to our bubble, knocking on our bubble, and saying, hey, can I come in there? And all the while, we're just scared they're going to bust the bubble. We're like, whoa, hey, hey, hey. Now, don't be coming up in here cussing. Don't you, don't you say them cuss words in here. This is the church, you know. So we have this, like, you know, what they call the sacred-secular uh, sacred divide, as if the church is sacred, but everywhere else is secular, you know, or, and we have this idea that, that music inherently is bad, but it's not inherently bad. Music is inherently good, but we have, you know, there's, there's people out there who make bad music, right? But do we need to avoid those people too? No, those are the people in need of hope. Those are the same people in need of hope. Like, you know, I'm not saying we should support what they do, but we need to engage them. We need to, and we need to engage ourselves into their life. Like, we need to have a normal conversation with them. We need to know their background. We need to know where they came from. We need to know how to carry on a conversation and let them know we care about them, that we don't have our little gospel gun ready to shoot. That shouldn't be how we operate. That's not how God told us to operate, as a matter of fact. We're supposed to engage them because we have good news for them. And so, like I said a minute ago, not everybody goes to heaven, right? That's, that's kind of a, it's a sensitive subject, but we're going to go there. But as Christians, it's going to be here in a minute. But as Christians, we talked about grace. We talked about our, you know, how we are saved, and we talked about the results of that grace and how we're supposed to live. Is, is we're supposed to be a part of this body, and we have a spiritual gift, and we're supposed to, to, to do that. Like a spiritual gift of giving, well, you need to give, or a spiritual gift of speaking, you need to speak, and all this different kind of talked about that. But now we're going to talk about how you're supposed to carry out that gift. Like what are you supposed to do while you're carrying that gift out? And the subtitle, I love it, says, Living in the Light. Living in the Light. And it starts off by saying this. It says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So what are we supposed to do as Christians? We're supposed to imitate God in everything we do. Just as Jesus said, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. That doesn't mean you live a perfect life, but you're 
imitating God. That's your father. You see, like right now, Collins doesn't look like me. She looks exactly like her mom. But you just watch and you see. When she grows up, she's going to be a spitting image of this guy right here. I'm telling you, she's going to look real nice. I mean, you know, her mom's going to kill me when I get home. But that's all right. We all know that what the truth is. So, if we are his dear children, who are we going to look like? We're going to look like God, don't we? So, you ever seen the, the dad walking down the beach, you know, like right where the water hits, and like, you know, when he, when he steps in the sand, you can see his footprint? You ever seen all the little kids, they try to follow and try to step in their dad's footprints? I tried to do that with my dad. My dad's kind of like pigeon toes, so he walks like this, whereas his toes are like pointed like east and west. But I could not do it when I was a kid. I'd, I'd be looking at his feet like, which foot did you step with? I thought the left one, I thought that was the left side. You know, like I was like, I don't know how your feet work. You know, I'm trying to, but I'm jumping like this. I'm trying to get in them like, you know. I was as tall as my dad when I was five, but I was still trying to. But we're supposed to imitate God. We're supposed to take the steps he did. And how are we supposed to do that? It says, by loving others and offering ourselves as sacrifices. We're supposed to love others. Let me tell you how you don't love somebody, by judging them. I'm not talking about, you know, like, hey, don't judge me, only God can judge me. Don't judge me, don't judge what I do. So, like, I've talked to somebody before, like, hey, you know, like, you know, say you're Christian, right? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's really hard to, you know, you can't really beat around the bush with these subjects. So, like, I'm trying my best to not, like, crush the bush. Like, I'm trying to just, like, step nicely over it. And, um, and I'm like, well, you know, like, what about, like, what about, like, cussing? You know, like, what, what's your feelings on that? Like, what's your thoughts on that? And, and it's like, man, don't judge me. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not judging you. I'm just, I'm wondering. And if I've talked to non-Christians, too, who admit that they are non-Christians, I, I want to know, like, hey, why do you do the things you do? But I don't say it like that. I, I, I approach it differently, I promise. Like, you know, like if, if they're smoking weed or if they drink alcohol or if they have sex before marriage, like, I, I'm just wondering, like, how, what, what are your thoughts and maybe why do you do it? You know, like, and that's not the first thing I ask them either. They're like, what's your sex life like? No, that's not what I do. I just like, hey, you know, what's your life like? And then they describe things to me. And maybe after a month or so, like, that's when I ask them, like, hey, well, what's your thoughts on this? You know, I'm sorry, guys. It, just, it comes out sometimes, especially when I drink juice boxes. And so, like, I was just wondering, like, what, what you know, what is this? But it's not judgmental. It's because he knows I love him. He, he gets the love first, right? He, it, God... God telling us to not do certain things came after his love for us. His love for us preceded us being perfect, you know, being like in his family, like trying to do the right thing. His love for us preceded all that. We don't have to do the right things to be in his family. He loves us. Then we're a part of his family. His grace empowers us to do the right thing. We're supposed to imitate God by loving others and being a sacrifice for them. What does that mean? to put them before you. See, but when you're going at them with a judgmental attitude or, or you're, you're keeping them outside of the bubble because you don't want them to, to put their, their sin cooties on you, see, what you're doing is you're putting yourself first. 
You're not putting them first. You're not putting their feelings, you know, their struggles, because you have no idea why they're alcoholic. You have no idea why they're homeless. They, they may not have gotten themselves into drugs, then became homeless. They may have become homeless, then gotten into drugs. Because they were homeless, they couldn't figure out how to cope with their problems. You don't know. So figure it out. Put them before you and love them. Because in doing that, you're imitating our Father. Because that's what He did for us. He loved us. And He offered Himself as a sacrifice for us. Can you imagine if God came to you and was telling you, hey, you have to be perfect before you come to me. Can you imagine that hopelessness that would just overwhelm your heart? It would just be like cringing. Like I, 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 can't, I just can't even imagine feeling like, God, you don't love me. Like I can't imagine him being mad at me and saying, you cannot come to me unless you're perfect because I know that I can never do that. You can't come to me unless you just stop sinning altogether. I can't, I can't do that. It's impossible. I mean, I, I, can you just give me some time to work on it? Like, I mean, you know, like it's just a, this overwhelming helplessness. And when we go to people like that, they know that we know God. They know that we know how to communicate with him. And we know things about the Bible that they don't. And they, they look to us for hope. And then we extend hopelessness. We don't extend hope to them. We extend hopelessness to them if we're judging them or not loving them or putting ourselves above them because we don't want sin cooties. That's not imitating God. It's not imitating our Father. And this is what it goes on to say. It says, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. So, sexual morality, you know, that's anything sexual outside of marriage and even things inside of marriage that are sexual and they're not right. Uh, they're, they're not in the boundaries of what God has set. If you, you know, hey, well, what's the boundaries? I, I'm not really sure. Just, um, you know, don't do stupid stuff, you know, inside of the boundaries of marriage and don't do anything at all outside the boundaries of marriage. I mean, that's really kind of what I see. And um, now, Here's what I'm going to say as I understand the struggle. You know, I was in high school once, and, uh, and it's hard. My friend actually told me, he said, you won't make it out of high school. And I was like, I bet. You know? I was like, what's up? No, I really didn't say that. But I just kind of, my feelings got hurt. I was like, you know, I bet he's right. Like I, I probably won't be able to. Like, that's just a really hard thing. Like, how, how do you expect, you know, I mean, it's all around us. I mean, it's everywhere. And, I mean, it just seems so acceptable. It's, you know, that's just the next step, right? Like, that, that's just the next step in the relationship. You know, once you're past, like, the lovey-dovey stage, like, you're just like, what next, you know? And that's, that's just what happens. Or it's just what people do when they go to parties. So, you know, it's just what they do when they get drunk. And it's just what people do. They just, that's just end-all, be-all right there. I mean, like, I may not make it out of high school, I, I don't know, and I started praying about it, and I started asking God for strength, and guess what, I proved him wrong, not me, I, it's, it's not, I, I didn't go to him, I told you so, I didn't do that, because you know what, 
I was just as capable. I'm a human too. I was just as capable. Impurity, that's impure thoughts, impure motives, impurity is something that is not right. Or greed, those, those sins have no place among God's people. Yeah, it's rampant. I mean, it's, just, it's everywhere. You can tell by the way some people dress. You can tell by the way some people talk to others. You can tell by the way they act, you know, what's going on in their mind. You can tell how, how greedy people are, you know, because greed comes out in how much you don't give sometimes because, you know, being stingy. Being stingy is also being greedy because you won't. You want what you have and you want to keep it, you know. And it's not just money. Not just greedy for money. Maybe greedy for power. You ever thought about that? Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Verse 4. If I'm being honest, this is the place where I struggle most. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. You know, I work in a shop full of guys... And we just, we mess around with each other all the time, all the time. And you know me, I, I try to engage them. I try to, I try to be, you know, the light to them. And, I, and it's not, I try to be one of them, you know. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to stand out on purpose. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be like, well, I'm a Christian and I'm trying to save you guys. Like, you know, like, I'm here to help you. Like, no, that's, that's not how you approach people. I'm one of them, you know, like we're, we're family, like it's just like being part of a sports team, you know, I just transferred that mentality, like, hey, I'm one of you guys, like I work just like you, I go home just like you, I have a family just like you, I am a human too, but we mess around with each other all the time. I'm not going to lie, sometimes I take it a little too far, I do. Coarse jokes and, and foolish talk, sometimes I take it a little too far, but you know what? There's forgiveness for those things. And when I do those, I, you know, maybe I say a joke or, you know, I take it a little too far. Or, or maybe they say something and, and I laugh. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm not just, <laughs> but like hysterically laughing because of a joke they said, but it wasn't right. And I, I, can, feel, I can feel the Holy Spirit inside of me um, just convicting me. Like, there's been times where... Um, where I've literally cried at work. Like, I've, I've been standing there, and I was, I was doing something, but, like, there's, like, tears coming down my eyes because the conviction is so strong. And I just want to see them come to Christ. I'm like, God, I, I, I just want to be one of them so that they can see, they can see you in me. Like, I, and I'm sorry I went too far, and, like, you know, someone comes around, I'm like, what's up, dude? What's up, man? How you doing? Yeah, I'm just working, too. How about you? You doing all right? Yeah. So... That's what happens. Sometimes you're going to take it too far. You know, there's forgiveness, but to understand that these things are not for, for us. We shouldn't joke like that in coarse ways. You know, it also says in chapter 4, verse 29, it says to not use foul or abusive language. It kind of goes along with that. Um, so you may not cuss, right, because you're a Christian. You may not say cuss words. 
you know, the cuss words, you know, like the F word, you know, that, that's real bad. Like, if you're, if you're a real cusser, you say the F word, right? You're like, but if you're not, like, that hardcore of a cusser, you may say the A word. You know, that may be all you say. Like, well, I say the A word, but I sure don't say the F word. And then you got, you got the hardcore, like, real hardcore cussers. They might say GD, you know, but that's something that no Christian or anybody should ever say. Like, the other ones are not as bad, but, like, GD is, like, the worst. Like, you should never say that. In all reality, you know, those are just the cuss words we say are cuss words. We got a list, right? We know which words are cuss words and which words aren't. But in all reality, like, so like if I said, uh, y'all take a deep breath. I'm about to say something. I'm not about to say a cuss word. <laughs> y'all got scared. But uh, like, what if I said, like, if I, you know, drop something and I said, what the fudge? Like, Okay, okay, don't, don't substitute it. I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? You just, you brought the meaning over to you. Just because you didn't say the word doesn't mean, like, you still said it. Like, that's still, that's still the same thing. Or, like, instead of saying, like, dumb, A, double money sign, right? You just say D-A. I mean, that, that, that's the same, that people, that's the same thing. We can't substitute words with the same meaning. That's still a cuss word. It's foul or abusive language. You know, we got other words too, like that we shouldn't that we shouldn't say, but yeah, but we're okay. We're in the clear because we're not cussing. Like that's not a cuss word. Whereas the Bible never says to not cuss, it just says to not use foul or abusive language. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. So instead of telling all these bad jokes and using this foolish talk and using foul or abusive language. Let there be thankfulness in your heart to God because you know what comes out of your mouth? The things that come out of your mouth is the stuff that overflows from your heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you speak of coarse jokes and you, and you speak of foolish talk and you speak of foul or abusive language, that's because your heart is full of those things. And so even a child, Proverbs says, even a child is looked at by the way they by the way they act. They are, they are judged by the way they act. So like if a child is not doing the right thing, we're going to pull them to the side as a parent and we're going to whoop their tails. This is what, what we're going to do. We're going to send them in time out. Nobody, nobody does physical abuse, any, I mean uh, physical discipline anymore? Nobody? No, uh, Proverbs says to do it. But, um, you know, like nowadays it's not cool. Send time out. T- time out. I'm going to take time out of work to come whoop your tails. What I'm going to do. That's what time out means, you know. Heard that one on a comedian show, too. That wasn't my joke. Um, I'm, I'm going to find some way to enter the cool jokes in some, somehow. It says, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God, of Christ and God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. So not everybody goes to heaven, right? That's kind of a... It's kind of sad, but um, why should you not do these things? Why should you not be sexually immoral? See, like, it's hard to talk about these things because they're weird, and also they're kind of an unspoken rule. Like, we don't have to talk about not having sex before marriage, and we don't have to talk about these things, but still we struggle with them. And still, they, they need to be talked about. They need to be talked about in a real way. Like, we shouldn't just say, like, save yourselves. Like, no, that's not, that's not, that's not the point. Like, the, the point is for, for you to love God. You see, but like the harsh reality of it is, is if 
you are sexually immoral, or if you're impure, or you are greedy, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's the harsh reality of it. Like, that's not, that's not something that can be bypassed or like, you know, maybe not. He clearly says, and this, this is like, this is more clear than just about anything. This is black and white. If that is you, it, the outcome is not good. That doesn't mean if you have been sexually immoral before or have been impure or have been greedy that you don't inherit the kingdom of God. But it's saying that's who you are. That's what you identify as because those are your actions. That's what the overall picture of your life looks like, that you are controlled by your sin. That's who you are. You are sexually immoral or you are impure or you are greedy or if those things are true about you at some point in time, well, now you may have a new identity that you are a Christ follower, that you are a child of God, or that you are forgiven. So you, you take on a new identity. And see, the sin, it may not be the problem. See, we talked about, like, it's not really what you do. It's the heart behind it. So you're like Adam and Eve. When, you know, it wasn't the chewing of the fruit that was the sin. It was the fact that they disobeyed God. It was the fact that their hearts went away from God. It was the fact that they put that fruit above God at that time. That's what it says about being greedy. See, a greedy person is an idolater, meaning they worship the money more than they worship God. They love money, so you cannot serve both God and money, is what Jesus said. But here is how you overcome this. You don't make a list of these things. Like, if you're taking notes, it doesn't mean you take a list and say, do not be sexually immoral. Do not be greedy. Okay, don't be greedy today. Not being greedy. That's not how it's going to work. Because if you've ever been addicted to something or you know of someone who has, the best way to get over addiction is not to say, okay, not drinking today. I'm not drinking today. No, 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 no. Not going to drink today. Not today, son. Not today, Satan. I'm not listening to you, buddy. And you just talk to yourself all day like, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. Guess what you're going to do? Because you're focused on it. You start focusing on, like, not doing it. You start focusing on why you should do it. Then you start, then you say, that's kind of like not wanting to date somebody. It's like, you know, that person really treats you bad. But whenever you're away from that person, you don't think about all the bad. You think about all the good because you're trying to convince yourself not to go back to that person. The same thing, like with, with like alcohol or any other kind of addiction or like pornography. It's like, not going to do it. Nope. You stay away from me. Talk to the hand. Not going to do it today. Well, that's what you're going to do. You're going to keep thinking about it. And you're somehow you're going to get convinced that that is the right thing to do just one more time. Just one more time. So how do you avoid this? By imitating God. You see, when you're out and you're exploring and you're loving other people and you're living as a sacrifice for them by putting them before you, you know what you don't have time to think about? You. You don't have time to think about, hey, what am I going to do today? Like, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go out with my buddies, I'm going to drink, or, you know, like, I'm going to go to this party, or I'm not going not, not to do this or that or whatever. You don't have time to think about that because you're wanting to imitate God. And now you're full of joy, not full of sadness, trying to back away from every sin you see. See, David had this problem. He was like, well, how does, how does a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. By living according to your word. See, if you, if you avoided sin altogether in this world, you'd have to leave this world. You could lock yourself in an attic. Somehow the sin's still going to creep in. So go out and be active. 
See, we have the responsibility, although we have been saved by grace through faith, we have responsibility as believers to turn away from sin. It is by God's grace that we can do that. Like the grace empowers us to do that, but it is our responsibility. It's our responsibility to say, no, I don't want sin. I'm going to go serve God. I'm going to go imitate God. I'm going to go love somebody today. I'm going to go put somebody else before myself today. That's what I'm going to go do today. That's our responsibility. God's not going to drag you kicking and screaming to go love somebody. And God's not going to drag somebody kicking and screaming to the church so that they can be saved by the preacher's message. Like, the preacher's message is not going to do much. Like, this is like, this is something that, this is not, you're not supposed to drag somebody here so that they can get saved. And they're like, the gospel is supposed to be shared to them, like, on a one-on-one level sometimes. Like, that, it's not always the person on the stage that has to do it. That's one, too much responsibility to put on one man. Way too much responsibility. There's too much weight. There's too much, there's too much gravity to that responsibility. Because I'm like, you invite a friend, oh shoot, I better, I better preach good today, brother, because that person needs to get saved because they're new here. Like, we had that mentality, it's not the mentality we should have. But you go out and you love others, you go out and you sacrifice yourself, and you say, I'm gonna put you before me. Now you don't have time. You ain't got time to be sexually immoral. You ain't got time to be impure. Not, you're going to be attempted with it, for sure. Are you going to fall? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You're going, you're, you're going to fall. You're going to, mess, you're going to mess up. But you're going to be so overwhelmed by grace, that stuff's not going to stop you. You keep loving. You keep putting others before yourself. And uh, so that, that's the message for tonight is to imitate God. Love others. Put yourself behind them. Put them before you. Don't always think about yourself. And be real with the sins in your life. Be real with them because they have real consequences. Sexual immorality, it can trick you sometimes. It can trick you into thinking, well, it's okay. God forgives me. But if that's the overall pattern of your life, you might need to check on that one. So uh, if, if God's convicting your heart um, about something in this, like you, you just want to love people more. You just want to put them before you. You just want to put people before yourself from here on out, and you're just like, I, I want to live for God. Like, I want to be an imitator of God, or whatever. If, if God's put something on your heart, please pray. Please pray about it, because once you speak it out, you're holding yourself accountable, and it's something that you desire to do, and it's going to be something that you work towards, and, and God's going to help you. Just like he helped me in high school. He helped me through. And because of that, I have shared that with only my wife. And she has only shared that with me. And now, I don't have any regrets. It's not something that was easy. I'm just saying, he helped me through. And now I'm looking back like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that grace. But it was an active choice. So let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for your word. God, sometimes it's, uh, it's hard to hear. It's hard uh, to take in because it's so blunt. It's so, it's so, so black and white, so straightforward. God, I just pray that, um, that someone experienced you tonight, God, they... Uh, 
they were they were convicted by your Holy Spirit, and they just heard something they needed to hear. God, I just pray that that for all of us believers, I pray that um, that we feel compelled to leave this place and to take on the responsibility of a believer going to give hope to the hopeless. God, I just pray that that we would take our sins seriously and say, no, I'm drawing the line. I'm not doing that. Lord, I just pray that you would help them to not focus on what not to do, but to focus on what to do. Just say, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm drawing the line. Here's what I am going to do, and go focus on that. God, I just pray for, for us as believers, God, that we would just we would come together as a body, like as a, in, in unity, and we would just fight for, fight for the right thing. And that we would just encourage each other and build each other up. And, and, and we would go out of here and do what we're supposed to do. God, I pray that the word is what we live by. I pray that we would take it seriously. I pray that this is not the only place where, where we read your word. God, I pray that, that, that church is not the only place that we hear the gospel. God, I pray that this is not, not the only place that we get the gospel preached to us. God, I, I pray that, that you would teach us to preach the gospel to ourselves. God, I just pray that um, for the students and, God, what, what they're going through, God, going into the summer and leaving school and going to the next school year, God, I just pray that, that you'd be with them and strengthen them. God, strengthen them to, to avoid temptation. God, when it, when it comes, just to walk away. God, I just pray that, uh, that you would strengthen them in, in, in the body and that they would rely and lean on each other. And, and God, I just want to thank you for dying for us so that your grace could be extended to us. I just pray now, God, we would extend that grace to others. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.